As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch, here it is. Swung, fly ball, deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, 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 yes. Hamlin, yes. 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 the Braves have given you a championship. A 25 lighters on my dresser. Yes, sir. You know I got to get paid. Now get ready, this is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. everybody surprise surprise it's another episode of the platinum sombrero after we thought we weren't gonna do it well we're here anyway and helping us be here are our friends at sports drink and our friends at symbol they're not really new anymore you guys have heard us talk about them a little bit but symbol is still the stock market for sports teams that allows you to profit off of all of your sports knowledge whether it be a little or a lot on symbol you can trade sports teams like stocks and every time your team wins you win cash use your sports knowledge on symbol to buy low sell high and earn cash payouts when your teams win join the 7,000 plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams visit www.simbull.com that is symbol.com to create a free account and when you deposit use the promo code sd to make your deposit risk free it's good because it rhymes visit www.symbol.com use that promo code sd and your deposit will be risk-free that means even if you lose money if you're a dum-dum and you don't win symbol's gonna refund that initial deposit one time only you get one mulligan no questions asked just join symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams today symbol here to make you fun Today's episode is also brought to you by MyBookie. They're back and better than ever. The only sports book where buy one, get one means you're the one holding the bag. Don't miss out. Head to MyBookie.ag this Monday and get in on the exclusive promotions. Set the stage before you redeem the bet one. Get one free promotion. Why not wager on the biggest matchups in football? There's always some good matchups. Wait, why not? Why not waste some money and... I don't know. Go crazy on the college bets. Who really knows? In a clash of NFC juggernauts and NFL juggernauts, don't look for either side to hold back. Bet the overs. Bet the unders. Thank us later. Show us how smart you are. Set yourself up for success by doubling your first deposit when using the promo code SPORTSDRINK at MyBookie. That's promo code SPORTSDRINK to double your initial deposit all the way up to $1,000. Bet anything, anywhere, at any time with MyBookie. And today's episode is also brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. We've talked about this one for a very long time. Spotify Greenroom, 
the audio-only app that is changing the way you consume your sports content. Meet all, meet baseball fans around the world, or sports fans really, from all around the area. Talk about your favorite teams. Feel like you're a part of your favorite shows. Just download it on the iOS or Android apps, and you too can feel like you're parts of your favorite shows. You can download it. You can set up to where whenever your favorite things start to go live, you are enthralled to them, and you can be notified. You can join and talk to everybody everywhere with the Spotify Green Room app available on the iOS or Android apps for free. Just link your Twitter, and you can be notified whenever all of your favorite people go. Spotify Green Room, changing the name of the game. Okay, so that's a lot of ads for us. Um, a lot of ads without any sort of joking ad in there. So I feel like an adult today. Uh, but I'm glad to be here. I did not think we were going to get an episode this week because uh, my life is crazy, and I don't really have time to do anything this week. But I decided, well, Doc, I should say Doc, really decided that he wanted to do an episode, and I can't say no to Doc. So without further ado, my partner, the man, the myth, the legend, the Braves doctor, Adam Doc Herbert, with me as always. And uh, Doc, it's been a little while since we've done a joint episode. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. I was uh, I was fully prepared to do a solo this week, and uh, I thought I would bug you about it just one last time, just to make sure. So imagine my joy uh, when you said that you were able to do it. So it's good to be back in front of the microphone. You know, it's uh, most <clears throat> most of the time when we do the off season episodes, it's kind of. You know, I guess we should do one. Uh, it's been a while, but now it's like I just, after the World Series, I just kind of want to talk baseball all the time. So uh, I'm really glad we were able to, uh, even if it's only, you know, 20, 30 minutes or whatever today, 60% of which will be ads, uh, it's really good to get back behind the mic and talk a little bit of baseball. I know there are a lot of people that are uh, curious about what the Braves' next move is. Well, yeah, I mean, as long as we're winning, then talking baseball is fun and you want to do it all the time, especially as we are the World Series champions, at least for another 360-something days or 350-something days. We get to be insufferable, and I have a feeling that next year should be fairly kind to the Braves as well. There's a lot of things that need to go right this offseason. There are some key departures, but outside of, like, Freddie Freeman, I don't know that I would say that there's any insurmountable type of player that you're losing. You still have all of your main core pieces aside from Freddie. And as, I, as, as you and I talk about, because we talk all the time, if those of you can't understand or, or can't guess, the Braves are really in a good position where outside of the guy in Freddie, anything else is just gratis. Like They can kind of go any number of routes and, and do what they're looking to do. There's a lot of players that are available in free agency this year that can help or at least probably replace the production that you got from some of the, the outfield pieces last year. You're going to get Acuna back. You're going to get Mike Soroka back. The Braves have this really cool ability here with payroll already announced going up to where they can kind of be in the Dodgers position a little bit where it's like, eh, well, you know, maybe I'll upgrade here. Maybe I'll upgrade there. I got some money to throw around. I got a lot of prospects I can deal. There's there's a lot to like if you're Alex Anthopoulos this offseason. Absolutely. And I know that there are a lot of people that are really, really worried about this this Freddie situation and how could the Braves have allowed this to happen. And, you know, to a certain degree, I get that. And, you know, people are concerned about the payroll as it pertains to Freddie. He's actually the one I would worry the least about, just in terms of you've already kind of earmarked 20-something million dollars for Freddie over the past couple years. So when you roll into 2022, provided that you're able to bring him back, which we've both been very stark, we think is going to happen, you know, say that he gets the, the pay raise bumped to 28 million or 30. I mean, you're, you're not 
giving an extra 30, you're only giving an extra, you know, seven and a half million over what he made last year or whatever. So plus you got Drew Smiley and Chris Martin coming off the books. You can, you can trim a little bit around some of the guys like uh, Newcomb, Camargo, Arcia. I'd be curious about Heredia to see whether or not he's back. Um, but if he's not, you know, then you, you get rid of all four of those guys and that, that uh, gives you an extra $5 million right there. And, you know, I'm, the more I think about Freddie going to other teams and, you know, trying to talk to the Yankees about what he's worth and talk to the Red Sox about what he's worth, if I know that free agent first baseman contracts are always, like, always disastrous, and you know that, and anybody listening to this knows that, then you know that Brian Cashman knows that. You know that Chaim Bloom knows that. You know that Perry Manazian knows that. So Freddie can talk about how he wants six and 200 all day long. If he wants six years, good for him. He wants $200 million, good for him. He's not going to get it from anybody. Like, he, it's a different circumstance than Albert Pujols. It's different than Miguel Cabrera. It's different than Prince Fielder. It's different than Chris Davis. But those are four really interesting examples of first base contracts that went horribly. Not just bad. It may be okay on the fringes of bad. These are four legitimately awful contracts. So... Any team like the Yankees, who, yes, they have an opening at first base and they're known for spending money, they don't... Part of the biggest knock on Brian Cashman is that he, by Yankees fans, is that he won't buy a team the way that he I used to. I was about to, to say, like, the Yankees don't, aren't really known for spending money under Cashman. Like, that, that whole thing of the Yankees is pretty much gone. No doubt. Not to mention, they got $36 million tied up in Garrett Cole, who pitches every five days. And $25 million for the foreseeable future tied up in Giancarlo Stanton, who also plays about every five days. So now, if they want to sign Freddie, could they afford it? Well, sure they could. But then you're looking at, let's just use $200 million as their payroll. It's probably going to be more than that, but this is for easy math. If you add Freddie at $25 million a year, now you have 43% of your payroll tied up in three guys, and that's not happening. Heim Bloom... They still need a shortstop because Lord knows Glaber Torres ain't it. So if they if they don't go and they don't get Correa or Seager, then sure they will have some extra money. But the Yankees are in turmoil right now. You know they they can't and they they can't can't really decide on a path necessarily. And and I just don't know if signing Freddie Freeman is is the path for them. And not to mention it's got to be mutual. I I don't see. Freddie is like a huge city guy. Yeah, I know. He grew up in Southern California, but that doesn't mean he wants to go play in L.A. or New York or Boston. Freddie, the reason Freddie works in Atlanta is because Freddie is like the human representation of Atlanta. He's not the big market guy. If Freddie played for the Cardinals, if Freddie played for the Brewers, it's perfect. But you can't just pick him up and put him in one of those giant markets and assume things are just going to be okay. He's coming back. He's, he's coming back. Yeah, I mean, I, I I've said this before, and I'm staunch on this. The I'll believe that Freddie plays for another team when he starts opening day with a different uniform on. I I don't really care. I I've said this to you. I don't know if I've mentioned it on here or not. That I think that Alex is going to let Freddie see what he's worth, see if anybody offers him that six year because Alex is probably pretty set on five years. Um, and if somebody else offers him a six year, then sure, I'm su- I'm sure we'll see Alex offer that six year. But it's going to come down to whether somebody else wants to offer a six year. And if that's the case, I would look at somebody like L.A. and Perry Manazian, who knows that he's trying to build a contender, at least somebody who can do kind of what the Mariners did this past year and show that they're nearly there. Uh, Perry, obviously, very familiar with Freddie, made a great move with Noah Syndergaard. You've already got Trout, Notani, and Jared Walsh there. 
Um, that is kind of the one thing there is they do already have Jared Walsh. So what do you do with Freddie Freeman and Jared Walsh? Do you trade Walsh? Do you make one of them the DH? Does that mean that Shohei Otani has to go play right field? Uh, do you move Walsh back to the outfield, even though he's not very good at it? Um, I would, I would still think that all of the pros of Freddie outweigh any of the cons from adding him to a crowded team that you can figure that out from, (laughs) you can figure that out later. Uh, but I think, I I think it's gonna be tough for somebody to offer him a six year. I, I think that, I think people are just kind of burned on offering big, gigantic deals. Carlos Correa can say that he wants a 10-year, $300 million deal. That's that's not happening. Um, I don't know anybody that would be stupid. Like They keep saying, well, he's better than Lindor. Sure. But it doesn't matter if you're better if you can't actually make it through a full season and show that you're better. And Correa doesn't play very many games. Um, it's pretty rare for him. He, he's had about equal numbers of of injured seasons versus healthy seasons. So I don't think that he's going to sniff 300 million. I think Correa is a guy that you can see with six and 200 because you'll take that risk. Um, Seager, kind of the same thing. A guy that's, that's injured quite a bit. Uh, not one that you're going to see jump up into that super crazy tier of contract range or years. And I think it's, I think it's really more years that get a little bit crazier when you're talking about guys that stay injured. Um, but that's, that's kind of the key piece in this offseason is there are a lot of, of preeminent talent, but there's not a lot of guys that have been healthy through most of it. You have Trevor Story, who had a down year last year. Not that surprising when you consider the team that he was on. Uh, C.J. Crone really benefited from Trevor Story, and that was about it for the Rockies, who are essentially the dumbest pro sports team in baseball as it's being reported that they're actually not looking to sell. They're looking to buy. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't understand it. Um, the Mets continue to be the Mets. So, I mean, if you're Freddie Freeman, there's no harm in going and seeing what you're worth. So if you know that you have a fallback of the Braves offering you whatever the offer is and say, let's just say for the sake of argument that it's like 5 and 175 or 5 and 180, whatever, you know that you have that banked up anyway. And then if somebody does offer you that six year, then you've got it from the Braves too, or it can be the team that you're choosing. Freddie's a guy that I, I don't think money is everything to Freddie. I think that years are more important to him than overall money. I think he doesn't want to get stiffed, obviously. That's why he turned down the 5 and 135, because he's better than Goldschmidt, so why would he take Goldschmidt's deal? Uh, I think Freddie deserves to be the preeminently paid first baseman. But even even if you're Alex Anthopoulos, even making that deal, you still have plenty of money to play with this offseason, to, to figure out the holes that you need to figure out, whether whether that's, you know, you're going to need a right fielder for a little bit until Acuna's ready, although at the rate Acuna's healing, he might be ready for opening day. Um you need at least one center fielder, even if you plan on rolling with Pasha. You need one. Maybe you can get Byron Buxton on the cheap because there's no way you pay for Byron Buxton, like premium for Byron Buxton, knowing you're going to get about 60 games out of him. Um, left field, you could bring back Solaire. You can bring back Eddie Rosario. You could bring back Adam Duvall. There's any number of ways you could go with this. But for us, for you and me, we say this every year, so I'm gonna I'm going to – continue and just say that I don't I'm not going to predict anything happens but we do we have mentioned a lot that this is the offseason where trades make sense uh if you don't have to shell out a bunch of your payroll in the offseason where you have to sign Freddie to a big extension the Braves do have a lot of controllable talent controllable similar talent level talent too to where they could make some of these deals with teams that are kind of in the sell-off mode a little bit, like the Reds. Uh, Sonny Gray is on the block. That's a pitcher that would fit very well here. Uh, they also have you know Jesse Winker or Tyler Naquin, two guys that I think uh, would, would be would be pretty decent fits here. I don't know about Naquin as much, but Naquin is just kind of that sneaky guy that I, I think Alex would kind of like that. Um, 
You know, you've got the Pirates, obviously, if you wanted to shell out for Brian Reynolds, but you're going to have to pay them a King's Ransom. Because I'm sorry, folks, you're not going to be able to trade Johan Camargo and Orlando Arcia and Tucker Davidson and get Brian Reynolds, who they wanted Julio Rodriguez for. That's not going to happen. Uh, so give up on that idea. Um, but there, there's still other players from other teams that you can get. They just have to kind of convince themselves that they're sellers, which will happen as the offseason goes on, especially once the big name free agents get taken. Then you'll probably see a lot more of these guys that are at the back of the middle, the, the close, closer to the bottom end. You'll start to see them start to make some players available to clean out some of their own holes and get some of their own prospects up. So there's, there's plenty of opportunities here. Uh, Alex, we know he likes to make some big moves very quickly. We know that he likes to start fast and end fast. So I would imagine we'll see something pretty quickly. We saw them add Jay Jackson, who it is funny, just, oh, adding a nobody reliever, blah, blah, blah. Oh, he's friends with Seiya Suzuki. Uh, I mean, he had some pretty interesting numbers in his own right. Yeah, he's older, but it's a reliever. So there's no telling if it's just, you know, he, he could just be a late bloomer. You really only need him for a year or two. That's all you trust relievers for anyway. There's a lot of ways this offseason could go. And we'll talk about Seiya Suzuki here in just a minute. But, Doc, your thoughts on my long, rambling mishmash. No, I mean, I, I, I think you're right. In, in previous seasons, it's been very um... – it's been kind of like the gut feeling in terms of like, no, this is finally the year. We've got all the prospects. He's finally going to trade them. Well, even with finding out recently that due to, I, I don't know if it was like a, a reshuffling of the TV deal or if this was always meant to happen, but apparently the Braves are going to be bringing in some additional TV revenue starting in 2023. And then the TV deal that has been oft maligned uh, will end in 2027. But <clears throat> so you're going to get an extra $20 million kick down there. Uh, not to mention hosting eight playoff games, uh, revenue from that, and also just the absurd amount of money that rolled in from the battery. The team has already said that they've got money to spend and that that payroll is going to go up. Um, You do have some interesting situations there in terms of it's not dissimilar to what happened to the Cubs a couple years ago when you go through the rebuild and all the guys hit at the same time, then that's when they start getting expensive at the same time. Uh, you know, Austin Riley is going to go from making the league minimum to somewhere around $4 million a year. This coming year, Dansby is going to command about 10. We're even getting to the point of Acuna's contract where he jumps from being worth 5 million to 15 million. So you got to be smart about the way that you allocate your funds. Now, there are good outfielders to be had, and and I'm just using outfielders because you know the Braves are pretty well locked in at a, at a lot of these different positions. You know, you look around the infield outside of first base, you look behind the plate, you look on the mound. In a lot of cases, you know, you don't necessarily need to supplement with anybody major, but when you're looking at all the prospects that you have, you all know the names and that Pache, Waters, Contreras, Muller tier, but. Part of the reason why I think this is the year is because you can package a lot of guys that are bubbling just underneath the surface. You know, maybe maybe there's some prospect fatigue on on your Waters and your Contreras and, and some, some of the guys like that, some of the, the ones that were supposed to be something and never really turned into anything major. But part of the advantage of having those guys is that they are so close to the majors. Now, look. I don't feel like I should have to say this, but I'm going to anyway. Just because a prospect shows up and doesn't immediately show out doesn't mean they're a bust. I know that people people love to throw around the word bust like it's just nothing. You know what I mean? It takes time. You know, six, seven months ago, there were people that gave up on Austin Riley. There were people that gave up on Dansby. Shit, I was one of them. 
You know what I mean? And he's like 27, and he's been trying to figure it out for years. And you look at the the body of work for this year. He was a four point a four point one F WAR player. That's huge, you know. And regardless of whether or not he that's repeatable, it just speaks to sometimes you have to be patient with these guys. So if you're a team like the Pittsburgh Pirates and you've got Brian Reynolds. And Alex Anthopoulos comes to you and is like, all right, we are willing to trade you a lot of prospects. Then depending on where you feel like you are in your window of contention, you could say, all right, well, there's not really a lot going on in the NL Central right now that makes me feel like it's, you know, the Cardinals division or the Brewers division. You know, the Cubs are going nowhere. The Pirates are kind of, they just have never been able to figure it out. But their farm system, they've been so bad the last couple of years, but they've accumulated some really, really solid players. In the Jameson Tyon deal, they got uh, Ronzi Contreras. They drafted Henry Davis this year. They got Key Brian Hayes already. They've got some pieces they can build around. So if you're Ben Charrington and you can look at it and say, okay, so slightly ahead of like the Davis and Contreras timeline, then you can put in a Pache, a Mahler, a Davidson, a whoever, and all of a sudden, your prospects for the future are looking much, much better. With baseball, there's safety in numbers. You have to divide and conquer. It's rules of attrition. Not all these guys are going to hit, but you have to, you know, if you can trade one lottery ticket for five, then you can you can kind of start to see a scenario where the Pirates are crawling out of the cellar of that division. That's nobody's division in the future, but that, that same... Uh, the same scenario applies for any team that is dangling somebody that, that is high level. The Braves have the prospects at a lot of levels to make these deals work. You're finally starting to see that 2019 draft that was a lot of project guys. You saw Von Grissom. You saw Joey Estes on top of somebody like uh, Shea Langoliers, who was one of the high picks that year. Michael Harris. Uh, Braden Shoemaker started awful but finished the season really strong. I mean, the, the Braves, if they move some of that top-level depth, they will still be okay. They're probably middle of the road in terms of prospect rankings now, but they got a World Series. Nobody cares. Prospects are cool. Parades are cooler. Yeah, parades are, are way better. And that flag, that little red flag, that flies forever in your stadium. Um, so I, I agree. The time is now if you want to go ahead and make one of these deals. There's a lot of these teams that are going to be looking to, to make some movement. That There's a lot of winnable divisions in baseball right now. Um, I still think the Mariners are going to be looking to buy, and I think that they've got plenty of prospect capital. If DePoto wants to trade from that, they've got plenty of guys, plenty of starters, for example. I mean, they do have George Kirby and Emerson Hancock, uh, Justin Dunn. They've got a few different guys, Logan Gilbert, obviously. They've got a lot of pitchers that can do a lot of really good things for them. I think they want to stay young, but I think this is going to be where they try to add some some more veteran presence type stuff. Uh, I think you'll see them move on from, I think they might trade Hanniger so they can go ahead and call up Julio Rodriguez. Um, but there's a lot of teams that are going to be in that same boat. We don't really know what the Astros are going to do. They say that they're going to be competing again, but they're losing Carlos Correa. And Jeremy Pena is a really good prospect that most people probably don't know about. But he's not going to just plug in and immediately replace Carlos Correa's production. Like, you don't just... You don't just lose Correa and end up going right back like like you just had it. Correa is an outstanding defender and really an excellent postseason hitter. Um, got a lot of power in that big frame too. He just can't stay on the field. Bregman is not Bregman anymore. So there, there's a lot of questions in a lot of these divisions. We know the A's are selling off, which means everybody's going to be calling for Matt Olson, Matt Chapman, who I actually think is going to end up in, in New York as a Met. Uh, Ramon Laureano, even with the PEDs, he might get some looks because he's such a superb defender and he does have some power back up there. Um, the, the pitching staff, I, I think if you're looking at like pitching, Sonny Gray is obviously a big target for the Braves. He kind of fits what Alex likes in that mold. Um, but I, I still think if you're going to make a deal like that, Frankie Montas, 
Frankie Montas from Oakland is an, is an outstanding type of guy in his own right for this Braves team. Has a nice heavy sinker, uh, can run up the Ks if he needs to, and just pitches really well. Took him a second to kind of get back into form after missing all those times with PED suspension, um, which might make his value a little bit lower than it would otherwise be. I'm not a Sean Manaya guy. I think Sean Manaya. I don't like soft-tossing people. Uh, I think that Oakland's ballpark helped him out a lot. Um, but I think Frankie Montas is outstanding. Chris Bassett maybe as well. Um, there, there's a lot of ways that you could go this offseason. I mean, there's also let's not like there. There's a few really interesting names in the Rule Five draft this year that the Braves could go. Tanaj Thomas from Pittsburgh is a name that you should really, really circle. Uh, he's young, 22 years old. But you want we all talk about Tukey being electric out of the bullpen. Tanaj Thomas is even more electric than Tukey. Like Tanaj's slider is is ridiculous, and he's got a hundred mile an hour fastball to go with it. Now he'll walk a lot of people. Um, but the Braves are kind of in a position where if they wanted to go that route and stash a guy for a year, they could. I mean, whenever you're talking about relievers, you're not necessarily having to have a guy that's already the most polished right now. You can just find a guy that has great stuff. I mean, with Thomas, you're talking about an 80-grade fastball, potentially on the scale, with a 55 slider and a 60 command. He's a guy that that's a starter long-term, but if you take him in the in the Rule 5, then you're going to have him be a reliever this year. This is a guy that, over the course of, of his minor league career, for the most part, you're going to see him with K rates, uh, really, really high K rates. Now he'll have some walk rates, too, on top of that. But he's a guy that could really benefit. Really good. I like him a lot. There's a few other ones. We haven't even really discussed Seiya Suzuki, who apparently the Braves are rumored anyway to be one of the one of the two or three most likely teams that he signs with. And that would be really, really cool. It's been a long time since the Braves have been able to go out there and do something like that. We don't really see the Braves get into buying the guys that you have to post money for, especially when you're talking about anytime you bring somebody over from Japan, even if they crush Japanese pitching, a lot of the times people kind of fail to, to really realize what the NPB is. And it's, it's universally, it's kind of accepted that it's between AA and AAA in terms of talent level. Um, which, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't put anything bad about what Seiya Suzuki's done over there. I mean, he's been an incredible offensive player over there for probably about the last five, six, seven years. And he's really learned how to hit for power, which is something he wasn't doing before. Former middle infielder, has a really strong arm. He's been playing in a corner. I think he led MPB in assists this past year. Um, he's, got a, he's got a great swing, too. I mean, if, if you could get him, that's awesome. Just know that if you do... Don't expect him to be Shohei Otani out of the gate. I mean, if you get Hideki Matsui, that's a fantastic deal. Um, but like Yoshi Tsutsugo, just just to clarify this for people, Yoshi Tsutsugo was an outstanding hitter who hit absolute nukes in MPB and couldn't hit water if he fell out of boat in the ML, in MLB last year. And the Rays kind of gave up on him really, really quickly. Um, Suzuki's obviously going to get signed, but the Kawakami deal, like how Kawakami, how Kenshin Kawakami worked out in Atlanta. Uh, not only did it sour a lot of Atlanta people on Japanese free agents, but the opposite is very true, too. Like, it did not go over well in Japan the way that Kawakami was kind of treated here in Atlanta. Because while we think of him as being awful, he really was not as bad as you're thinking that he was. He really was not horrific, especially for just coming over. Like, his first season was better than Yusei Kikuchi's, who signed a much larger deal. Uh, he, he he wasn't nearly as bad as I thought he was when I went back and looked at it again. Um, and I do know that, that kind of soured some some of the, the uh, Asian players coming over on the Braves. Now, maybe enough time has passed and we're in, you know, the third, <laughs> the third different uh, GM now. So maybe it's a little bit different. 
But it is hard to compete with those West Coast teams for the guys coming over. They're, they're a lot more comfortable when they're on the West Coast versus the East Coast, it seems. And while I would certainly like that deal, uh, I, I do kind of – anytime I hear the Braves being mentioned as a heavy contender for a player, the skeptic in me comes out. Understandably so. I mean, there's there's a, a kind of understanding, I think, among – uh, anybody that's in Alex's immediate circle or anybody that he does business with is that um, loose lips sink ships and he just he does not play. And we at TPS kind of know uh, not firsthand but secondhand how um, if you're in Alex's circle and you say anything and he finds out about it, you're not in a circle anymore. Um, yeah, so, we know that for a fact. Yeah, so um, – Inquire within for details. We're not going to share them right now. But, I mean, Alex does keep things as close to the best as any GM in any sport. So, to hear something like that, it tells me that it's coming from Saya's side. Uh, I don't think that the Braves would have leaked that. And, look, you know, maybe maybe they sign and maybe they don't. It's interesting, uh, for sure. This whole thing with Jay Jackson, for anybody who who missed this uh, the other day, when the Braves traded for Jay Jackson, he had been just DFA'd by the Giants like earlier in the week, and they picked him up, which seems like a your standard offseason move. It's whatever. It's just shuffling the deck chairs on the Titanic. But until you dig in and find out that Jay Jackson played in Japan on the same team as Seiya Suzuki uh, in 2018. So that, to me, it's like, okay, that's interesting. That In fact, I would go as far as to say that's more than a little bit interesting. But... It, maybe it's some gamesmanship, but I mean, if Seiya Suzuki could be swayed to sign with the Braves so easily, uh, just because it's like, oh, cool, my buddy's here, then he could probably be swayed by another team for an equally inconsequential reason. You know, he's the type of guy, he's probably, for his own deal, he'll probably get like 5 and 65, um, which is fine. And then there'll be a posting fee on top of that, so it'll come around somewhere around $80 million. Maybe, maybe it'll be less than that. Um, all, all things considered, which is not a bad deal. So it's $16 million a year, but that just makes me think of this other outfielder that the Braves locked up for four years and, uh, six, and $16 million a year last offseason, and I don't know what they're going to do with him. Um, if anything happens with Marcelo Zuna where he is cleared to play, I don't know whether the Braves just eat the money or I don't know if there's anybody that's going to be really willing to take the PR hit for doing like the bad contract swap. Um, some of the obvious contracts that jump out at me are just equally un or maybe not equally but uh definitely non-tenable situations as well not as bad as the Ozuna thing so like what if you're going to trade for I don't know Craig Kimbrell Giancarlo Stanton one of these massive horrible deals just to clear yourself of the PR thing so the Braves could be looking at uh Suzuki Ozuna and uh, Acuna next year but you don't want Acuna playing center so you got to get a center fielder there's a lot of balls up in the air for uh, for this outfield, if they add Suzuki, you almost are kind of hum- hamstrung into needing to bring back Duvall if you go get Suzuki or going and getting somebody else who's a natural center fielder. Um, maybe, maybe it's Pache, maybe it's not, I don't know. If, if you do get Suzuki, it's it's wonderful to think of. This guy's a multi-time gold glover, multi-time all-star, multi-time uh, all-MPB team guy I mean this is basically he's he's a star over there and even if the level of competition is comparable to between double a and triple a you know there'll be a learning curve there you get him for five years and he figures it out even Otani wasn't Otani immediately so um it's interesting and I don't think that there's any it would be too much lingering resentment or hopefully not about how the Kawakami thing handled how the Kawakami thing was handled 
uh, it was over a decade ago, and like you said, it was a couple of different front offices ago. And now, just the, it's different. Like, if I am, say, a Suzuki, and I'm looking at the Braves in, you know, 2009 or 10, when Kawakami came over, versus now, when it's Acuna, Albies, maybe Freeman, probably Freeman, uh, Austin Riley, and, oh yeah, that giant shiny piece of metal they just won three weeks ago. Well, it's a much better situation than it would have been back when we still had, like, Brooks Conrad on the roster. Absolutely, and I think when you're kind of piecing this all together, it is also important to note that while we all give best guesses on what we think is going to happen, we nobody really has much idea about how it's going to go down this early. And it's still very, very early in the offseason. And I'm sure Alex and his team were, were working on things even while the Braves were in the postseason. I mean, when Alex was at home with COVID, I guarantee you he was already planning some offseason moves too. Uh, but the Braves are, you know, a little bit behind in that realm. And that's what happens when you win a World Series. You get kind of put behind the eight ball just a touch. And uh, I, I still think there's some interesting names. Suzuki's a lot of fun. Uh, I still personally, I think that if you're talking about a corner outfielder that fits what Alex generally likes to do, I think Michael Conforto is a really good bet. Even, you'd lose a second round pick, but I don't, I don't know that Alex val, uh, I don't know that Alex values high picks the same way as a lot of other GMs, as we see Alex tends to go safe with his early picks. Um, and I, I think that's something to consider. And I think Michael Conforto is a really good bet to have a really good bounce back season. I've said all along, one, as, soon as, as soon as Michael Conforto gets out of the Mets team, he's going to be healthy and he's going to go back to being the player that, that he showed that he could kind of be, maybe even better than that. Uh, I, I love Conforto. Um, the Bush League moves of getting hit on purpose notwithstanding, uh, I think Conforto is an excellent type of guy to add in as a, as a left fielder onto this team. The big, powerful left-handed bat. Can do a lot of things. As long as he's healthy, he's a really, really good player. That's a guy that I like a lot. The trade market I do like to see, too. There's, uh, I, I would not be shocked to see Alex in, in Cincinnati and Nick Crawl in Cincinnati work out, work out a deal or two there. I think there's a lot that you could poach from from that team. Same thing with Oakland. Uh, all of that to say, it's still really, really early in the offseason. Nobody really knows what's going to happen. Um, the Braves are going to spend more money. They're going to kind of have to in order to keep it going. The Marcel thing is interesting because I do think there are a couple teams that are far enough away from main contention but close enough to where they want to make those inroads that they might make a move like that. Somebody like Detroit would not surprise me. Uh, when A.J. Hinch was with Houston, they famously added um, – garbage human being Roberto Ozuna. They've had no problems doing things like that in the past if they thought the player was good enough. Uh, Marcel would be a gigantic upgrade over anyone in their in their outfield as far as on-the-field play. If they do get Correa, that gives them two really, really good offensive players. That kind of helps a team that has zero offense right now but has a lot of really interesting young pitching. I think that's something to keep an eye on there. I don't know what the bad contract would be there in that swap, but I'm sure it would be some sort of bad contract. Um, or, or just some guy that really wasn't playing all that well. But there's a lot of ways it could go. I'm, I'm excited to see what's going to happen this offseason. Um, by the way, shout-outs to um, Chatting Average, who managed to get interviews that were better than themselves. So uh, go check them out. Now they're <laughs> they managed to get three people who are all more popular than they are on the show at one time, so congrats to them. Um, wow. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Love you guys. Um but uh, the really cool stuff from them, they did get Tucker Davidson already, so their their guest list is uh, is very high profile so far. Uh, I'm not jealous at all. Um, I, I'm just saying, Tucker, I was on. I I was a fan of Tucker Davidson before Rakes ever even knew who he was. So 
you know, whatever. Um, but that's one of the things that that's going to make this offseason interesting is we haven't had one of these off seasons coming off of World Series in so long that I don't really know what to expect. I mean, they could go any number of ways. They could be even more aggressive because they want to repeat and now they can afford to be aggressive because they already won the title or they might be a little bit more conservative saying our team is so good. We really don't need to make many changes at all. There's you, you really could go to any of these links in between and I'm kind of. I'm kind of excited to see how it goes. I'm not as pent up this offseason as I have been. Like, there's a lot of guys I want, but it's not like it's been for me in the past. We finally got to it and got the World Series now. Now I'm not under this insane amount of stress where every time a good player gets signed, I kind of beat my own fist against the wall and, and get angry about it. Like, I, I'm, I'm pretty calm this offseason. Me, <clears throat> me too. And I've been kind of wondering whether or not the rules would change. Uh, for Alex, because it's like you said, you got that first World Series title. Not to say you can necessarily relax, but the point is just to get one. If you win ten World Series, that's great, but you can't do that without winning the first one. So, and and here's the point that I promised I was going to make when you were you and I were talking before. No matter what people think about Alex Anthopoulos, like look, he's been around for four years. He's got four straight division titles, and even if at the beginning it was leftovers from Copy's team, or he was doing it with guys that Frank Wren signed years and years ago, this is Alex's team now, right? Four division titles, a World Series, getting deeper in the playoffs every year. And part of the reason why, even after this past trade deadline, where people still may not be really bullish on Alex, is like he always is thinking with his brain. He never thinks with his gut, ever. You know what I mean? And part of the reason why we as fans tend to get frustrated there is because sometimes we think with our brains, but most of the time it's thinking with our heart and thinking with our gut. And the last thing we need is somebody that is calm, rational, and logical when it's like, no, I want to be irresponsible with prospects. I want to make a trade that doesn't make any sense just to make the splash, right? So I don't know. He he doesn't strike me as the type of guy who's going to get complacent by any means. Um, but I do think that now... The, the, the vice can loosen a little bit. It's like, all right, we got one. Now we can make the big splash. Now we can do something that's kind of uh, off the beaten path that maybe Braves fans have been waiting for him to do for years. Like signing a, say, a Suzuki or trading a couple of prospects to get like a really high-end guy. So regardless, no matter what, I made the point when I did the solo episode a couple weeks ago, the World Series this year could be the last one of everybody's lifetime, so no matter what happens this offseason, just enjoy it. And, you know, thanks, we're recording this on Wednesday the 24th, so this is right before Thanksgiving, just be thankful for the World Series title. Yeah, just be thankful, and knowing us, you're probably going to see something like Friday Signs about 20 minutes after this episode posts, so there's that to consider. Uh, there's a lot of good things that that can happen with this Braves team. I'm I'm not I'm genuinely not worried. Um, now, obviously, if my worst nightmare comes to pass and Freddie ends up on a different team, that definitely puts a different level of pressure on Alex. Now, I do think that you'd immediately see him go and offer a gigantic deal for a Matt Olson type. Uh, like I don't I don't think they want to move Riley over to first base. It's possible if they just get caught with their pants down. But I think you'd see Matt Olson or Anthony Rizzo, uh, and Anthony Rizzo is Freddie Light. I don't really want Rizzo here, but there's, you know, we'll worry about that if we have to worry about it. I'm not super worried about it. Alex has a lot of things he can do this offseason. This might be the one, this might be the most pro Alex Anthopoulos offseason for me that I've ever had here in the Braves. Like I, I, I'm not afraid to say that I've been upset that he hasn't been aggressive at all. Um, and, and people point to the trade deadline last year. You and I've talked about this a million times. He wasn't being aggressive at all. He stayed within exactly what he did. He got guys that were underperforming 
in the areas that they were, got them for super cheap, and then they all worked out. He got kind of lucky, too. And you need that. It was, it was nice to see the Braves be on the other side of that luck coin for once. Uh, so we'll see what he does. We'll see how he attacks the outfield. I think, obviously, the big key is going to be outfield. Uh, I think they do need one more righty reliever. Uh, maybe Kirby Yates. They had they had a deal in place with him before he failed the physical. So maybe you'll see Kirby Yates uh, a, a revisited again. There's there's a couple of ways they could go about this. Uh, and I actually think the Braves are are in the catbird seat, so to speak. Here they can kind of they can afford to see what everybody else around them is kind of doing, and then attack based off of that. Or they could be somebody to go out and set the market. We'll see. I have a feeling we'll see. I have a feeling we'll see some sort of move, some sort of decently sized move from Alex within the next couple of weeks here. Uh, it's just been too quiet on the front. Nothing really reported outside of some rumors of the Braves being interested in, say, a Suzuki, like every team in baseball is right now. I think we'll see something kind of emerge fairly soon. So with that said, I can hear uh, I can hear your dogs in the background. My dog is being annoying and giving me a lot of looks saying for to finish up. So we're going to go ahead and close it here for this week everybody have a happy thanksgiving eat a whole bunch of food don't eat any of that nasty garbage like uh jellied cranberry sauce which isn't even real cranberry sauce um, yeah that is, that is definitely the worst thanksgiving like, dish eat, eat, a, eat a real cranberry sauce meal that you have to actually make using real cranberries um you know be an adult um, pumpkin pie still garbage you're eating a squash squash pie is not good pie uh, but you know, whatever. Have have a have a good time, everybody. Watch a lot of sports and uh, enjoy that one day off that you get from work once a year there. So uh, and and give thanks for getting the World Series title, Doc. I thank every day when we do a podcast together that we've been doing this for you know, for over four years now, getting all this stuff done. Thank you as always for joining me, and to all of you out there listening, thank you guys as well. Except for you, Rakes, you're not welcome. Um, just kidding. Bro. <laughs> I'm feeling a little spicy. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and end it before I start making everybody else angry. So thank you guys so much. We'll be back again. Um, unless any big news drops, it'll be probably about two weeks. So uh, thank you guys. Enjoy this episode. And we'll talk to you later right here on the Platinum Sombrero. O2 on the way. Chopper out to Dansby. Dansby throws to first base. Is this happening? It is. The Atlanta Braves are world champions. 